We are going to be considering in several sermons the truth of the Lord's Prayer. Long ago when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray and not sure what they meant, did they want to know what to pray or how to pray? Certainly they saw Jesus and they wanted to follow his example. But long ago the disciples asked Jesus and in Sermon on the Mount, he, he told them the Lord's Prayer that we call it, our Father who art in heaven and so on. And really, this is the disciples' prayer, of course. It's not Jesus' prayer. It has to do with forgiveness of sins, after all, and Jesus never had to pray, forgive my sins, but we do. And so we have a pattern here in the Lord's Prayer. And our catechism reminds us that there's in the beginning an address that's very important. We have to know where God is and who he is when we pray. He's our father and he's in heaven, meaning he's above. And if you look at your sheet in the, in the insert in the bulletin, there's an explanation of why this is, as a summary. Why has God said, now you call me our God? And, you know, God our father. And the idea is that it's to awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer. Isn't it lovely? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer that childlike reverence and trust toward God, which should be basic to our prayer. God has become our Father through Christ and will deny, much less deny us what we ask of Him in faith than our fathers would refuse us earthly things. So there's an explanation, and then of the phrase, our Father in heaven, those two words, our catechism reminds us that these words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty in an earthly manner. Make sure you're not talking to God as your daddy on earth, he's your father and your God in heaven. And we're to expect from his almighty power, because he's in heaven, all things we need, body and soul. So there's a, a very brief explanation of a particular church called the Reformed Church, and we hold to that explanation, but we're always grounding explanations that people say about the Lord's Prayer and our Father in Heaven with the Bible. So we want to turn to that, and this will be the focus <clears throat> in light of the, the truth we know of our Father in Heaven. Hebrews chapter 10 Amazing book of the good things in Jesus that have come. And Hebrews 10, we're met with that statement at the very beginning. <clears throat> but we want to read through verse 22, and that'll be our, our text here with regard to drawing near to God in prayer, praying to him, our Father. So let's hear what God says today. Hebrews 10, the very word of God. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, be salvation, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, he's referring to the Jews, make those who approach perfect. There's a problem with the Old Testament pictures. They, they could not make us perfect. They couldn't make us sinless. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. 
For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, and that's Jesus, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, now here's where we're led here by the Spirit in the Word, to react to the truth as it is in Jesus, to what God has done in Him, the one sacrifice. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, because their sins are taken away, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, now hear this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's keep going. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that's as far as we'll read the word of God. May God enlighten our, our minds to these things, that we may mind the things of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that we can draw near to God, our Father in heaven, in prayer. And that's how we're going to look at this address. Jesus says, and when you pray, you pray our Father who art in heaven. And what we need to look at this morning is the calling, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
we have uh, an understanding of prayer, and that's a beautiful thing, not only, but we have a prayer in our heart, and that's the beautifulest thing. We have an understanding, and there is this joy in our heart, the prayer that God has put in our heart. So we understand prayer to be the chief blessing of God. It's conversation with God. He talks to us, first of all. We respond. We say, hello. We, we greet him in the morning. We, we pray to him in the afternoon. We pray to him at night. In good times and in bad, there's this conversation. God is a God who talks, and he gives us ears to hear, and we talk to him, and prayer is this wonderful speech whereby we say we love you. Because you love us and we thank you for Jesus, the word you've spoken of our salvation. And this is how we show a Christian. That's how you show your Christian, isn't it? Prayer, the prayer life. And that's the first thing of piety. Not the first thing only that comes to our mind, but the first thing that God puts in our minds and our hearts, a prayer Never without a prayer, never without faith, never without this wonderful communion we have with God. So we've considered in an introductory sermon this wonderful gift of prayer, and we've been reminded as we took a particular slant, and as we shall in the rest of the series on the Lord's Prayer, that our prayers are in the name of Jesus. And that's what Jesus specifically says to us. Whatever you ask in my name, John 14, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so Jesus lives, uh, leaves us here with, with a clue to how we are to pray And when the disciples were asking, how do you pray? He gave the clue to them in teaching them. And he gave the way to them in dying for them and for us. And the specific words, ask whatever you ask, pray whatever you pray in my name. I want to commend that to your attention as we engage in this prayer, which is a drawing near with a true heart and full assurance of faith to God, that we need to be drawing near in the name of Jesus. And we need to be awake to that, that reality. Don't dare come to God except for in the name of Jesus. And when you do dare and are bold to come to God, remember he will hear you for Jesus' sake. And now having said that, it's a kind of a long, wandering introduction I think we're in a coma. That's what I want to say. I think we can be all but dead to these things. Not awake to the speech of God with ears hearing what he's saying in the word and in our life. And therefore, not responding as we need to. And not getting that that name of Jesus is so precious that we can even go to heaven, to our Father in heaven, 
He's one prayer away and one answer away from being heard, and we never pray, it seems. We're not awake. Our faith is weak. To stir our faith, let's consider drawing near to the Father in the name of Jesus, drawing near to the Father in heaven in the name of Jesus. Now, this drawing near of which our text is speaking is an exhortation, in fact, the first one really in the whole book of Hebrews. There's been a lot in Hebrews that has been a setting forth of the truth, and the truth, Hebrews reminds us, is in Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's greater than the angels. He's greater than the high priests of the old covenant and of the prophets and of the kings there. He is this great God come to be with us who's also this God in the flesh. He's a human. And he's the substitute for sinners, for you and for me, meaning because we humans in Adam sinned and we deserve to die, he took our sins on him. And that was the way that God provided He has provided that wonderful atonement in Jesus Christ and how needed, how needed that was because sin has taken us to be far away from God. And further, we should know that our Father in heaven and we on earth, the gap between heaven and earth is not just this this physical distance you can measure or even this philosophical distance between God who's God and above and we are our sinner or people here below. The distance is compounded by the fact that there's enmity. There's, there's a separation, an ethical difference. And so you can't take a rocket to get to heaven. You can't take a rocket and or or 20, and even if you have a trillion dollars and you can send the public up in a rocket to discover God. There's a, there's, a, there's a gap that cannot be bridged by the efforts of man. There has to be something that gets rid of the enmity, the, 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 the battle, the war that there is between God and sinners. And this has led, of course, the whole world which is so far away from God and so sinfully far and in need of reconciliation. It's led this whole world to foolishly say there is no God. We can't measure him, and the way that he wants us to come to him is impossible, so we're just going to just think about this earth in an earthly way. And besides, when we hear somewhere from that Christian minister and the Christian grandma I had that God is our Father in heaven. We can't relate to that because, well, my father is a deadbeat. He left me. He's a drunk. He doesn't care for me. So don't give me this Father in heaven. I don't want a God in heaven who's a father like I have on earth. So the only picture that people have of God and who's a father is, is, is bad. The only relationship they know they could ever have is broken. 
because of all the divorces and all of the fighting and all of the bickering, as if all differences can never be reconciled. But the truth is, as it is in Jesus, brought forth in the book of Hebrews in a great way, and the whole New Testament, we are brought near to God. Not in a rocket ship, but via a cross. Blood of Jesus. I hope you caught that as reading through Hebrews. Not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. We're sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Not possible that there be any other way than his. But we're saved by him. Beautiful. And the Father in heaven is now the Father in heaven who comes to our earth and loves us. You know that? No earthly father could love like him. But heaven, as it were, has come down in Jesus, and heaven definitely has, has declared that there is, therefore, no condemnation to the guilty ones for whom my son died, and there is no more ugliness in them in my son. I behold them in my son as beautiful children with no sin and no spot and any such thing. And they've never done anything that is irreconcilable because the blood avails for them. That's what Father says. That's his decree, his verdict. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, Romans 8 goes on to say that there's no condemnation because of that love of God. I love my children, and they can do anything sinful, but I will forgive them, and I will lead them back to me. I will bring them to their spiritual senses. This is the gospel of Hebrews and the gospel of the entire New Testament which was pictured in the Old, don't forget the Old Testament, beloved, which now is even pictured in, in the snow because we know in light of the Bible that snow means cleanliness and, and we are cleansed by Jesus. And look, we draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith and it's because of this. Because we have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's the perfect, perfect tense, the perfect work of Jesus. Here's what we have. Hearts that are sprinkled, they're purified from an evil conscience so that those sins might shout against us, you're just a sinner, Our hearts are sprinkled from an evil conscience because we know the blood of Jesus and our bodies, these filthy things, these disgusting things that lead us following the heart 
in all iniquity, our eyes, our ears to hear bad stuff, our body parts to be instruments of Satan, these two, the Bible says, are washed with pure water. Now, that's all a symbol of the water symbolizing the blood of Christ in baptism. But simply and profoundly, the water that is this blood of the Lamb. All the water now of the Old Testament, all the sprinkling, all the purification, all the stuff the priests would do to make sure they were clean enough to enter and to offer their, enter the holy place and offer their offerings, symbolized in the baptism now, the water of baptism in the name of the triune God, which indicates the blood, the atoning blood of Jesus shed for you and shed for me. That's what Hebrews is about, and that's what the New Testament is about, and that's what we're about when we declare this. Why are we children of God? Why can we say God is our Father? Because we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And today, as we confess our sins to Him and confess Christ, we, we cling to that blood, don't we? And we're not here as hypocrites, but we're here truly to be right with God because He's made us to be right with Him. He's done the first thing. He's, he's reconciled us to Him. He's our Father in heaven. We're adopted by the grace of God. We're given faith so that we, we know and we believe and we're, we're latched to these things of heaven and this is our life from above. The war with God, it ceased principally because God on our side has made us to be on his side. Now, <clears throat> that's all background to the prayer that Jesus said his disciples ought to pray. You pray, our Father who art in heaven. Because that's truth, isn't it? God is our Father in heaven, meaning we're his children on earth. And Jesus Christ is the mediator of that adoption of grace. So in his name, and because of his name, his identity, the revelation of himself as God with us, making us to be with God, it's everything. God in the name of Jesus came to be with us. God in the name of Jesus and for the Son by whom and for whom he made the worlds has come into this occupied, Satan-occupied territory and claimed the victory. Planted the flag of himself incarnate. Here I am, Jesus of Nazareth. Here I am, the flag was, was raised on Calvary when the Son of God broke his body for us and poured out his blood. And when he rose from the dead, there was this vindication of all the sinners, of all the truth as it is in Jesus. 
and a putting to silence of the lies of men who said, Jesus is nothing. He's nothing. He's just like us. Nothing's happened. We're brought near to God. Are you brought near to God? Are you bought by the blood of Jesus? Do you know that? You're not your own. Not if you're God's. When we say our Father who was in heaven, we're claiming he's our only Father. And we are his. We are in his family. We are blessed. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, we say. Oh, thanks for Jesus for setting yourself apart in him and setting us apart because of him so that we have reason to live. And we, however we serve you, with whatever talents, wherever we are here or in Uganda or in Philadelphia or in Ohio, it doesn't matter. In Christ and because of the name of Christ and because God has planted the flag and The sins are burned out on Calvary. We have the greatest thing. We're brought near to God. And heaven has come to earth, and earth is brought to heaven. And God has come to earth, and sinners go to heaven because God in his fatherly love and power has said, I love you, and here's how I show that. I cancel the war. I take you into my home. And now the text here is an exhortation. Uh, the backdrop is we're brought near to God. But now the inspired author says, now you draw near to the God who's brought you near. You draw near. And you do this a certain way, not as a hypocrite, but with a true heart, sincere, right in the heart. And you do this not wavering, but in full assurance of faith. That's how our Father in heaven is glorified, when his children believe in him. They don't say, I don't know, I don't know. That's too hard for me. Life's too rough for me. The children don't say that. Father gives them this life and even the rough things in life after all. And as the children ponder their God, they are in confidence in him. And as they approach, they don't dare say, I'm going to approach God because I have a thing or two to say to my father and how he's messed up. That's how a lot of people pray. They, they voice their complaints to God, if and it's not really prayer. And they say, God, you're just a, you're a child abuser, because I was abused as a child. You're a home wrecker, because my home is wrecked. And after all, the Bible says God is in control, but how can it be if you're really God? So lots of people, maybe in the name of prayer, utter their complaint and defy God from the start. They don't know, beloved. They don't know. We ought to pity people like that. 
Because here's how we start. Because God has started this thing called salvation and life with God. Inaugurated it it by the justifying work of God, the forgiveness of sins, and now in our hearts, the sanctification of the Holy Spirit of the home of God. We start from this place. We trust in you, God, and we can utter our complaints, and I've said this too, even at funerals. Remember preaching the funeral of a man whose wife died maybe in her 40s, and it wasn't the time for her to die. Because there's all these kids to raise. I think it was Psalm 77 or something like that. I preached on God's way is in the sea. Very deep. And I said to the man, I looked him right in the eye and I said, it's okay not to understand, to have questions, even to complain to God. But remember Randy, is his name, That God is faithful. And somehow through the sea, he leads Israel to the other side. Somehow through the sea, he's leading you to the other side and to land and to understand that God is in the midst of the whole thing. And his way is higher than ours, even in the deep sea and even in the sending of his son to die for us. That's pretty high and pretty deep, isn't it? So prayer starts with that. We trust in God. We believe in God. We believe in the darkness that there is light, even in the darkness, in the midst of it, not just at the end of it. Opportunity when there's a closed door. Relationships, though something went wrong with an earthly relationship. There's a friend for you. And for all this that God has ordained, there's a spouse for you. If that is God's wonderful will, there's hope. There's joy right now. And forgiveness. Draw near to God. That would be with faith. Faith. Draw near by faith. Come near. That's literally the word, come near to God. Just come near. Simple term used often in the Bible. It's often, it's also translated uh, in verse 10 of the good things to come. The good things that have come and that they're now upon us. And that reminds us that coming near to God is, is coming to, as it were, It's being alive to the things that have come to us, to the truth as it is in Jesus, to all that the Bible says here, and that good fathers and mothers teach us and the church teaches. It's God has come to you. Now come too, won't you? Come also, but come in reaction to the God who's come to you. And as we say in the the vernacular, Come to means awake. That's why I introduced this sermon with the observation that we're all or many of us are prone to be in a coma. We haven't come to. We haven't been aroused by these things. We've been more ruffled in our feathers and 
by things that happen and snowstorms and they can't get the car out and, and other things far worse than these, they've moved us. And so we're asleep to how God moves and shakes and is our very, 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 very wise Father. And then very, 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 very tender Father. That's why there's the exhortation. The things here below in our sinful nature can draw us to be apart from God. So we, we're not awake to the things of God. We're far from God. God's not far from us, but in, in a way there's this... this he's, he's not happy with us. We've drawn away from God. We've gone this way and we've gone that way and we said, well, it's just not enough and there's no future for me and mom and dad are too strict or the church is just this. And it just seems like there's a lot more fun over there. And somebody's came to me and say, hey, there's a party. Why don't you come to that? And we go. And there's the process of our departure. Prodigal sons and daughters, ministers and elders, we, we waste time. We're searching here and low and here, here and there and high and low for just anything but what we have. The church can do this, families can do this, individuals do this all the time. We need a spark in our marriage, so let's just add a third. And it's all, of course, this disaster of a world we live in that we've learned too well. Why consider a father in heaven when there are no fathers here on earth that we have any pattern for, and so we're not going to believe this religion that we thought all along was just by in the sky, by and by, and just head in the clouds in this Christianity, which is a theory, and we suspect a drug that people are taking because they can't get by on earth. Let's drink theology, shall we? And be drunk on truth because life is tough. That's why there's so many churches that are just occupied by older people. Rare to see congregations gathering in young people and families and beautiful. Draw near to God. Believe. And I'll follow how one preacher described this in a sermon I heard this past week. Draw near to God. Believe in God. That means you're saturated with the word of God. We want to pray to our Father in heaven, be in the heavenly word. In the name of Jesus, you want to know Jesus, be in his word. Be in his word. In the name of Jesus, declare I'm going to come to the Father in His name. Be in His Word. Draw near to God. 
in light of the word of God. Be separate then from sin. Separate from sin. Anything that is sinful in your life must be confessed, separated from by true and godly repentance. Anything that's hindering your growth, which you dislike because then I can be Christian and I can be whatever I am besides Christian. In the name of Jesus, be in his word and be separated from sin. And then be dedicated to Jesus and then be activated by the Holy Spirit. This is how this works. This is how God works. This is the way is the blood and then there's this faith that finds the way to the blood in the word of God and in the spirit of God. And as we truly act upon our faith, this is in it. This is activity here. Draw near to God. Not to earn anything with God. It's all relying on God because, after all, we draw near and we're praying that God would help us to draw near. But there's something we're called to do, you see. Something we're called to do. And it's not just purchase a ticket and get on a rocket and go somewhere. It's be on your knees and pray and Pray forgiveness and pray for the Holy Spirit and know the blessing of God. That's my final point, beloved. We're brought near to God to draw near to God, to be blessed near to God. This is what this is all about. Any preacher who exhorts the congregation is wanting them to be blessed in the way of obedience and faith and want you to be blessed. And if you have gone away from God in whatever degree, any of you who may be hearing in the, in the internet congregation, you apart from God, is there some problem that you're having with understanding the way of God and His way in your life? Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Draw near to the God who's brought you near to God, who is your Father, who will never renounce you, and who wants you back to know his piety, his, his praise, his fellowship. That's what happens. As we draw near to God, we draw from God then. Jesus says, whatever you will ask in my name, that I will do. Isn't that something? Greater things even, he says in another place, greater things than I have done on earth, you will do when I go to heaven. Why? Because when Jesus goes to heaven and he's exalted there and he's glorified there, unleashed from Jesus' heaven, from his right hand, the right hand of God there, is the power of the world to come is the courage in the midst of scary things, is the wisdom in the midst of unsettling times. This from heaven and in the name of Jesus declared as something that we need and and that now we have by grace a right to because we are his. And so in the name of Jesus, we're going all around and we're saying, The devil will not have this relationship. I plant the flag of Jesus in the name of Jesus as we're in a job situation. That's tough. We're going to plant the flag of Jesus in the name of Jesus and say, Lord, 
This work is for you because you're here in me, my Father. In the name of Jesus, I know I'm going to have this bright future. Why? Because the future is heaven. And even now, as we travel, and we're just traveling, light and brightness in the midst of darkness. Beloved, draw near to God. Draw very near to God. Get everything out of the way. Go to Jesus. Remember, he's come near to you. Open your eyes to see them. Little girl, little boy, big boys, big girls, men and women. Wake up. Wake up to the things that have come to you in the gospel of our salvation. Wake up to the God who's come to you, who's coming to you now. You hear in step, our fathers, our father has such wonderful steps. Hear him stepping close to you and step toward him. That's a good thing. And even to hug him, that's the best thing. So we can worship him better yet. Amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God. And the word of prayer in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father in heaven, that you would bless us for Jesus' sake. Keep us from everything, Lord, that would hinder our blessing and hinder your praise. And Lord, we pray to give glory to you. It's not about our name, our reputation. It's about your son and his name and reputation. And in the relationship, Lord, we have with you as our father and we are children adopted by grace, we pray that there may be this power in our life which was not there before. His purpose in our life, his piety in our life that we so love because then we show just how holy is our Father in heaven. Bless us, Lord, as children in the family of God. Great blessing at sovereign grace and wherever you have your people, they're a family of God. Hear our prayers, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.